So, good morning, Jessica. We are going to be doing our quote for this show, and it is from Where the Crawdad Sings by Delilah Owens. Ooh. Sometimes she heard night sounds she didn't know or jumped from lightning too close. But whenever she stumbled, it was the land who caught her. Until at last, at some unclaimed moment, the heart pain seeped away like water into sand. Still there, but deep. Kaya laid her hand upon the breathing wet earth and the marsh became her mother. Ooh, the marsh became her mother. I like it. Yeah, it's such a beautiful book. So the quotes from it are just really hard to pick one, but I really like that one because I think it really uh, sets the tone for the book. You're listening to episode four of A Thousand Lives Podcast. Yeah, um, totally. I learned something about um, lightning. Can I share it with you? Sure. And this was just recently on a Dear Hank and John um, podcast episode. Do you listen or, to that podcast? I haven't listened to their podcast, but I've watched like some of their stuff. Okay. Um, so... I always thought that when lightning struck mm-hmm. and you could count the seconds and however many seconds away it is, is how many miles away the lightning is. Right. Have you heard this before? I've heard it, but yeah, I know it's not correct. <laughs> it's not correct. And they set me straight. They said for every five seconds you count, it's a mile. Right. Because so it's, it's a- like the speed of sound is quicker than a m- mile a second or something like that right that's the whole thing but it's actually a whole lot closer i always like if you count to five seconds i'm like okay it's five miles away i'm good but no that means it's only one mile away it's a lot closer than you think yeah and if it's instant it's on top of you (laughs) (laughs) yeah well let's get this show started jessica and i think we're going to start with our prologue party and this time we're going to be doing would you rather questions okay cool hit me I went through online and just pulled a bunch of random ones, and a lot of these are just list of ones, and I didn't even read them. So who knows what's okay. going to come up? <laughs> I'm excited. Okay, spin number one. Would you rather have Katniss Everdeen protect you or Patrice Pryor? Okay, well, I don't know who Patrice Pryor is. Do you? That is the main character, I believe, from the Divergent series. Okay, I didn't read that. Is that like Tris? I think it's how she goes by. Yeah. Oh, okay. I did watch that first movie. It was kind of yeah. not good. So, um, yeah, Tris is from The Divergent. I have read both series, and I think I definitely go with Katniss Everdeen. Mm-hmm. She, I would for say me, anyway. is a stronger character and uh, has a little bit more sense of, I don't know, of not only herself, but those around her. I didn't much care for Tris as a character, and. Uh, yeah, so definitely Katniss for me. Cool. Sames. Okay, so let's spin it again, and we'll maybe do a couple of these. Would you rather read in an isolated cabin that was infested with spiders or in a <laughs> noisy coffee shop with bad music? <laughs> uh, That's so random. With bad music? No, if it's bad music, I'm going to go with the spider, the spider infested I was going to say what type of spiders. Like, if it's just, like, you know, granddaddy long legs and stuff, like, right, yeah, that yeah. wouldn't bother me. If it's, like, black widows and brown yeah, everywhere. <laughs> then no, you. you're right. If, it depends on the spider. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Definitely depends on the spider and uh, how (laughs) deadly they are and scary they are. Um, Good point. But yeah, bad music would be so hard to read during. (laughs) Yeah, it would. And I can't read like with people around me that often anyways. Um, I can if it's a big noise, like if there's a lot and it's just like a big background noise. But if it's like individual people having a conversation, that's a different story. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know, I can put on like uh, big headphones and uh, listen to an audiobook and I might tune it all out. Okay, that works. Yeah, but yeah, I don't know. That one's a hard one. (laughs) It definitely depends on the spiders. I like that question. (laughs) Would you rather your favorite author read their next book to you or dedicate it to you? Where your name would be forever be immortalized. I think that's really, like, obvious. So I think... (laughs) Yeah. I could still read the book and it could be dedicated to me. Like, that sounds awesome. It does sound really awesome. Your favorite author was, like, Jessica. (laughs) It's okay. This book is for you. Thank you for all that you've done for me. You're the best fan in the world. I love you. Yeah. George R.R. R. Martin. <laughs> <laughs> he finished the series just for you. <laughs> yeah, I don't hilarious. know. I don't need an author to read it to me. <laughs> no. That sounds yeah, no. really awkward. <laughs> uh, I'll just get, take a little dedication and be immortalized in the book. No, I'd, I'd be cool if they were like a performer and they wanted to act it out for me. And we were pals, you know, uh, and we were in person. See, for but me, if they sounds... dedicate it to me, we're pals and we've been hanging out. So like, yeah, for me, it'd be uh, super awkward and I don't want to be in that situation. <laughs> <laughs> Just have them do the audiobook and I'll listen to it. <laughs> sure. Okay. <laughs> Let's do one more. One more? Yeah, yeah. One more. We can't stop. Ooh, this is a good one. Okay. Would you rather have your favorite book turned into a movie or your favorite movie turned into a book? Mm. Favorite book turned into a movie. Me too. I feel like yeah, if yeah. I've already seen the movie and it's one of my favorites, I don't know how much uh, a book would bring to that. But then yeah, again, you could get all the behind the scenes stuff. So that'd be kind of cool. But definitely a booked movie. Right. Yeah, for sure. And when there are um, books made from movies, I don't read those. Yeah. <laughs> so. That's very true. I don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know of any at the top of my head that I've known that's that way. Um, I, I like want to say were... like Pirates of the Caribbean maybe oh, was yeah. turned into a book. That could be the case. I don't know. <laughs> and it was one of my favorite movies for a very long time. Certainly didn't read it if that's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, definitely book to movie. Although uh, getting some like behind the scenes stuff to different movies might be kind of fun. But um, That would be cool. Well, you know, that's what commentaries for. Yeah. <laughs> or fan fiction. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to some topics that we want to talk about. Yeah. You ready? Yes, I am. I didn't take uh, very many notes um, because I've been in a, f- like, a rut, so. <laughs> and that's that ties in perfectly with what our first topic is, which is... Reading slumps. Book slumps. Yeah, <laughs> reading slumps. Because <laughs> I... I've probably been reading this one book for two or three weeks now, and that's really strange for me. I normally, you know, read one or two books a week, and Mm -hmm. I have no desire to pick up a book right now. So it's been uh, strange, to say the least. 
Yeah, it is strange, um, especially for you, because I've never, like, heard you say that ever. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh... And all the time that we've been together. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely different. I, I have, like, minor spells where I'll go, like, one or two days without reading, but this has been, like, weeks now. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. uh, I think I finished, um, Where the Crawdad Sings is the last book I finished, and I think that was, like, three weeks ago. So... So I'm in a, a reading slump as well, but it's a little different because um, I've still been reading graphic novels um, mm-hmm. digitally and listening to books. Um, but the physical book that I've been reading since we started the podcast, I haven't picked up. Um, and just sometimes things, uh, there's a lot going on in your brain and in your life mm-hmm. and you can't concentrate and nothing's piquing your interest. Um, and it's just that physical act of reading can sometimes be a little much for my brain. And when we picked up this podcast, I was like, I jumped into it, you know, head first. And I think my reading suffered a little bit as a result, which is okay. Um, I think, uh, I've been through reading slumps before Mm -hmm. and I have learned to give myself some grace and know that I will come back to it stronger than ever. And I give my brain the break that it needs to come back. Yeah. And that's kind of how I've been focusing on it. I'm just like, clearly there's some reason that I am not wanting to read. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to accept that and kind of mm, be okay with that. <laughs> and yeah. I think a lot of it is I've put a lot of pressure especially this last month, to finish the books I need to finish for school and to get those read. And the last two books I need to read are the ones I'm trying to read now. And I think I'm just a little overwhelmed with everything starting and just having so much pressure on myself to get stuff done. And mm-hmm. I just need to be like, okay, I don't need to finish these right this second. I can figure out when I need these finish these and get back into it. So, right. When do you need them finished? Um, I have no idea because I haven't got my syllabus yet. So since I oh, get okay. my syllabus, I'll be like, okay, I need to actually read this one by this time. <laughs> you know, where, where are you going? Sorry. Do what? I was going to ask you where you've been, where you're going to go to school. I'm doing online through ETSU. Okay, so um, I'm doing an online um, graduate program through there. So it's all like um, synchronous to my own time. I don't have like a a set scheduled class time. So I'm kind of trying to figure out how that's going to work and what my schedule is going to be. And until I get like a syllabus and like a direct idea of this is your, what you're going to be doing. I kind of a little bit up in the air and that kind of stresses me out because I like to plan. So mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> not being able to plan. You have to make your own thing. schedule. Yeah. And so I've been wanting to make my own schedule, but I can't do that until I have you know, the syllabus from the teacher being like, hey, this is what we're going to be doing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that way I can go through and plan it all out. That's cool. So I think once Uh, I get to that point, it will help me a lot more because then I can plan it out and be like, okay, I actually have this much time to finish this. I have plenty of time. I can do it. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Um, So some ways I get out of reading slumps is if it's a physical book reading slump like I'm in now, um, um, I will delete. I have this game on my phone called Two Dots. I know you've played it before. Yes. <laughs> but I am literally like 850 levels in. 
which is a big deal. And I have deleted it from my phone several times. And because it saves the level I'm on, I'll end up re-downloading it. Of course. Um, but anyway, I'll delete that from my phone <laughs> because it takes up a lot of my time. And I'll pick up a graphic novel um, digitally. I just finished a Cinder Volume 2. Hello. It just came out a month or two ago. Yes. Um, and it was really good. Let me just say, I really enjoyed it. There are were whales, which is a new species of uh, mythical Ooh, creature. I need mm-hmm. to. Uh, I need to pick that one up. Yes, you do. Uh, and then I'll, you know, I'll watch some media, or if when it's media time, I'll watch TV or movies, and it'll get me interested in storytelling again. Um, podcasts are a great way to take a break for me from audiobooks. Mm-hmm. That's and what I've been doing. A ton of. Just funny, stupid podcast because <laughs> that's yeah. the ones that I really enjoy. It's just the ones that are just like I watch a lot of gaming content and that kind of thing. So having those kind of be there as just funny fillers. And the company that I like puts out a podcast every day on different topics. So uh-huh. it's kind of like I have a hour, two hour thing every day that I can kind of escape um, and listen to. So it definitely helps. Yeah, it does. And uh, those are my reading slump tips. I, Just forgive yourself. Don't get too hard on yourself. I have been doing all those things. Um, I definitely need to pick up some more graphic novels because that's definitely something that helps me get out of uh, stress. <laughs> because mm, there's something yeah. so like fun about them. Even if it's yeah. a dark graphic novel, you still have this, like, uh, I don't know. There's something about them that's just nice. Uh, and for a sender, like the, I love the watercolor. Mm-hmm. The art. So much. It's just um, beautiful to look at. And it's quick to get through. I think and so too. accomplishing short books um, is a great, great way to make you feel accomplished so that you're like not, you don't feel so stagnant. Yeah. Like and you uh, anything in a long time. I went through and actually looked up uh, different websites talking about ways to get out of reading slumps. So apparently this is the 19 ways to get out to be a reading slump. That's a lot of ways. Yeah. <laughs> and some of them I'm like, that makes sense and I should do. And maybe I can do some of these and see if it helps. Um, okay. I can update you uh, later on. But um, the first one is pretty simple. It's to try to identify why you're in this leading sump and do the opposite of whatever put you there. So uh, I think that means I need to pick up a book that isn't for school and just have fun reading something and not stressing myself out. It says to stop replacing your reading time with binge watching time. And I'm definitely guilty of just watching a ton of content and watching Mm -hmm. um, different TV series like Cora was just added to Netflix, so me and Mark are rewatching all of Cora, and it's been amazing. That was my how to get out of reading slump. So I think it just depends on the person. Yeah, it does. Um, it says to reread an all-time favorite, which I think is probably a great way. Um, rereading I really ever reread. Rereading actually kind of stresses me out, so I don't think that one would work oh. for me because I feel mm-hmm. like I'm wasting time, not getting yeah. to something new. I totally get that. But, you know, who knows? I tend to reread graphic novels a lot more than I reread um, actual physical books. I really want to reread Saga soon. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Especially when the new ones start coming out. 
because yeah, when's that going to be? I think it was supposed you know? to be this year, but <gasps> I don't know if it is going to be. That's okay, probably well, uh, fake news, I and I don't know. I need to know what happens next. Me too. <laughs> but I knew that um, I think Brian Staples was wanting to finish up Paper Girls before he came back to Saga, and that finished this past year. So it should okay. be, hopefully, in the works. I didn't know that it was finished, so I need to... I read the first volume and really enjoyed it, and I never picked it up again. Um, and that's one I definitely... A series I want to read. I think there is six volumes in the set, and okay. I think I've read four of them. Oh. It's good. Okay. Another one that I thought was kind of interesting was look for books outside of your current TBR pile. Um, okay. To kind of see, like, these are the ones you're trying to focus on. Maybe find something else. And right. I've been... I've kind of always done that because using the library system and stuff like that, I'll constantly mm-hmm. get books that I don't own yeah, and kind too. of branch out. So I don't think that's going to work for me. <laughs> One of the silliest ones, and I don't know why this would work. Maybe it would for people, but it says watch a bad book to movie adaptation and like laugh about it and like stuff. And I'm no. like, that doesn't seem like, like a good idea at all. That just me like... <laughs> Why would you want to do that? I don't like that. Maybe watch a good book to movie adaptation. Yeah, I'd be that, done I feel with like that would get you more inspired to like read something. Yeah, pick up that Pride and Prejudice. Right. One I did I like was it says to join a book club, which I think would be kind of fun because then you have a support system to try to read. Um, absolutely. I absolutely love our book club because of that. My favorite one, and this is the one I might actually do because I could see how that could possibly help uh, derail a reading slump, is to go through and reorganize your bookshelves. Uh And that way you're like, you know, you're touching and getting involved with your books and you can kind of see like, oh my gosh, I haven't thought of that with this one in forever because it's been down here in this bottom corner type thing. So that that. might be uh, something that could help. I also like this one. It says to create a reading nook and, like, make your own little reading space. I think that would be really nice. I don't have space for that in my house, but I like it. Yeah, I know. I am hoping, beyond hoping, in the next couple months that we're going to start doing our renovation Mm -hmm. to our tiny house and adding a room to it. Yeah. (laughs) And I am going to have my own little reading nook, and I'm super excited about it. I'm going to have all my books in one place because right now there's some upstairs, there's some downstairs, there's some on, like, a different wall downstairs, and so they're all over the place. And I just want them all in one area and have a comfy chair, and that's going to be my little spot. That sounds And I'm pretty excited about it. I I hope that for you. Me too. I hope that comes soon. And then Mm -hmm. the last one, which is the one that I'm pretty much doing, (laughs) is just to wait it out. Yep. And I even love it because it's like, and you know what? Sometimes you can just use a nap. So instead of reading, take a nap. And I'm like, that sounds like a great plan. (laughs) Everyone could use more naps. Mm. Okay. Well, um, good luck to you. I hope that you're our reading slump, but mainly yours (laughs) because I'm still listening. It's so strange. But I I hope that it goes away soon and that you're able to find your love of reading again. And I know you will. I will, and I think definitely um, since I'm going to be at home this whole week because of things, um, I think I'm definitely going to pick up some of the graphic novels that are on my shelf that I haven't read in a while or haven't even started and get some of those read because I have a ton that I've collected, um, different like first volumes and stuff like that, that I think I'm just going to go through and read a bunch of those and then maybe that'll get me back into reading. Do it. 
Sounds I like have a good faith. plan. Okay, next topic. Um, I saw this post on Instagram, and it made me want to talk about um, books and the culture of elitism surrounding the bookish community, or just people who love books. Mm-hmm. Sophie Hagen um, on Instagram, she posted like this uh, Twitter post that she made on Instagram, and it reads as follows. <clears throat> Reading books is seen as morally superior to watching TV or a movie because it requires that you have learned how to read and that you have had time to read, something poor people and dyslexic people and neurodiverse people often haven't. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to dive into this a little bit more um, specific. Well, at least first, um, in regards to audiobooks, there are people who look down on uh, those who listen to audiobooks. And Absolutely. they say it's not real reading. Um, or I even saw one comment. This was on um, BookTube. Somebody was like, I don't think you can retain what you're listening to or whatever uh, while you're eating Pop-Tarts and doing whatever the fuck. And I just like, ugh, it like hurt my feelings almost. I never had encountered this sort of elitism before um, starting YouTube. And it made me feel bad for a while, but I had to get over it. And when I say at the end of the year that I read 100 books in 2020, I'm not going to be ashamed that over half of them were audiobooks um, because I genuinely enjoy them and count as, as reading. I think so too. And like, For me, it's hard to find time and the space to be able to read a physical book. So I would Mm -hmm. say close to like 90% of my reading is audiobooks right now. Mm -hmm. Just because it's something that I can do that isn't self-involved where like my toddler is going to grab my book because she's already ripped some books. (laughs) And so... Even though, like, I'm reading an audiobook of a book on my own, I still count it as reading my TBR because it's still reading the book. Um, I do agree that there is some mm, stuff that I don't retain through audio Uh just because you maybe are reading at a faster speed than what you would read with your eyeballs, but that's not for everybody. And I think I... I retain most of the story. I can tell you the story. I can talk about different events in the book. I can talk about different characters. I might not remember the characters' names. That's Mm -hmm. something I don't retain very well. But it's still, you're still getting the same information both ways. Absolutely. And it's ableist in another way. Like, imagine that you're blind or can't see very well. What do you say to those people? And I've even heard people on booktube say well for those people it's fine but it like no it's for everyone right you know what i mean i don't know it was, it was something that stressed me out for a long time and i wanted to talk about it yeah um, and i think i'm maybe there's a sense that maybe instead of saying you've read a book you could say you listen to a book but for me um if you're getting the story in your head you're still reading it yeah me even too. if you're not uh actively reading the pages yes if i'm listening to a book currently I'll, I'll tell someone I'm, I've been listening to this book blah 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 or but if someone asks me have you read that same book I, I will say yes right yeah exactly totally 
Okay. Um, one way that I have been elitist, um, I'm calling myself out here, um, <laughs> is in regards to romance. Okay. And, or like chiclet, I guess, which is a, not a phrase that I like. Right. Um, yeah, I don't I, really like it either. Oh, the phrase? No. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think it's kind of rude. But um, anyway, uh, I remember like looking at those covers and that like that a whole wall of just like Fabios and stuff and thinking that could never be for me. Um, right. And well, guess what? This year I've been starting to read romance and I really, really enjoy it. And of course, I mean, like I like romance in, um, in my stories, in my genre fiction, but I've never read consistently just romance stories and I found that um I like it and I'm sorry that I was a rude about it <laughs> for me I, mean, I don't I never... think I was ever rude to anyone but you know what right. I mean like in my mind I was like oh that's you know mm, that's beneath me yeah and I never um I don't know it's it's weird for me because like I've had the same reaction of like you know you go to that part of the bookstore, and you're like, okay, I don't want any books from here and move on. Mm -hmm. But for me, it was always because it's not something that interests me instead right. of anything else. It's not been, uh, I don't want, I don't want to read that. It's more like, I don't, I don't think I would enjoy this. Yeah. And I definitely think that there is a big difference and that's just not for me because I don't enjoy it. And that's beneath me and it's not a real book because it's not literary enough or, you know, whatever. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I am not uh that's uh not literary enough because I don't read those those books at all either. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, get those away from me. I don't want that. <laughs> so I go to both sides. I'm like, eh, that's not for me, but I'm also not gonna read those literary classics because I'm like, that's not for me either. So Well, I, I enjoy um books from both sides, so I, uh, I've enjoyed a handful of classics and I've enjoyed a handful of romance and, right. you know, I'm just going to keep on like dabbling in a little bit of each and that's yeah. about what I'm going to do. You do you. And that's uh, what I'm going to handle. <laughs> so another way I've seen this play out is when people, um, look down on YA books. Yeah. I and definitely feel like I've been, uh. I wouldn't say like doing that, but I've definitely had experiences where series that were coming out when I was in high school to early college, I'll try to finish like now and I don't enjoy them as much. Mm -hmm. And I'll be like, well, it was YA and I didn't really enjoy it and it felt very uh, young or something like that. And then I think about it, I'm like, well, that's because I'm not the target audience anymore. Right. Yeah. And it's it's not my place to say it's it's too young or anything like that because it's not for me anymore. And I've right. been trying to be more understanding of that. And of course there are books, um, of the YA genre that we can enjoy now. Yes. And, and I like, definitely have. Yes, absolutely. Um, I didn't read Sarah J Mass until this year. Um, and part of that might've been cause I had seen a lot of people make fun of it on booktube. And, and I feel like uh, Sarah J. Mass is a little different um, because oh, yeah. I feel like she's more new adult than young she adult. She is. I mean, there are some but it's definitely sexy that, times. That uh, she's overly thing. hyped, popular author syndrome yeah. of, and it's I don't fantasy. know if I'm going to enjoy that. 
geared towards yeah. women. Yeah. Kind of thing. Um, and there was one comment I saw on YouTube uh, that was like, if I see someone reading Mass or Cassandra Clare, I immediately lose respect for them and stop watching. And that comment stuck with me for a while. And uh, I think kind of affected me a little bit. But, I mean, I can still continue to read YA alongside whatever adult SFF or, you know, whatever the heck I was reading. So I think uh, Cassandra Clare is interesting for me because her books are something that I absolutely loved in high school. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really something that... Uh, kept me reading at that time i uh i connected with the characters and the different magical systems and loved all the different angsty romances and stuff in Mm -hmm. it like that was my jam when i was in high school so it's it's hard for me because now when i read them i'm like i know i used to love this (laughs) i know this used to be a five-star book for me and it's just not anymore and Uh i haven't been super excited to pick up any of her newer stuff um, I still haven't finished um, the Dark Artifices series. I, with, I didn't um, start it. The, I haven't read The Queen of Air and Darkness, which is the finale to that. And it's because, I, I don't know, I just don't have that interest in them right now. Mm-hmm. It's something that I feel like I could definitely um, almost like binge read the series as they're finished and kind of get them that way and still enjoy the fandom. But it's not like everything to me anymore. Right. And, and that's uh, not to say that if you're not the target audience, you can't enjoy something. Like, there are plenty of oh, absolutely adults out there reading Dark Artifices or whatever the heck. Right. I just finished reading Sal and Gabby Break the Universe and Fix mm-hmm. the Universe by Carlos Hernandez. That is a middle grade book. It is meant for 8 to 10 year old boys mainly. I absolutely loved that book. It's fantastic and will read everything in that series. And it's not me. I'm not the target audience for it. But I love it. And awesome. I think there's certain things that just stick with you. And um, for now, I'm on a little bit of a Claire, you know, slump. But, you know, I might pick it back up here in a few years and really enjoy it again. Sure. Okay. Uh, anything else you want to say on that topic? Um, no, other than I think people just need to be more understanding of everyone. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think if everybody just accepted that people like what they like, it'd be a lot happier of a place, especially on book Twitter. (laughs) But that's a whole nother thing. Uh, And there was another, I don't have it here in front of me, but there was another point that Sophie Hagen made um, where she talked about how she didn't think that she could get into Tolstoy or that wasn't for her because that was for... Um, people like smarter than her or something and she found it completely readable when she picked it up and she was like what else are they hiding from us <laughs> you know like it's not just for a certain kind of person you don't have to be um, a philosopher yeah. or super whatever to be able to enjoy some literary classics too so I think that's a that was a good point okay let's talk about another thing that has been on my mind a lot and it stresses me out a bit just if I'm being honest and Mm -hmm. that's separating author from their work I think that is becoming a uh a more relevant topic all the time I feel like (gasps) it's constantly happening to different authors and different not even authors but different works in general different directors different actors different everything so yeah uh, Totally. Yeah, it's, 
it's definitely something that I think uh, is important to make your own mind up about. And I went a large chunk of my life never learning about anything about the authors that I was um, of which I was reading. Oh yeah, I would just go to whatever bookstore. I'd be like, "Oh, this cover looks cool. I'm gonna read it." <laughs> and it was a it was a blissful. Easy existence when I didn't have to think about what those people were doing in their personal lives. Yeah, it definitely uh, makes it a little harder to enjoy different books when you feel like you need to do research on who you're supporting and uh, that kind of thing. Yeah, and I have a totally easy time separating authors from their work when it comes to those who died a long time ago. And when I buy their book, it's not going to go into their pocket, the money that I spend. Right. Um, so I don't think that's necessarily what this is about. Um, I think it's definitely, um, more prevalent with authors who are still alive, still producing work, still receiving money and royalties from everything mm -hmm. that you buy from them. Um, obviously the big one being J.K. Rowling, um, just to throw so it out there. I have so much to say about her. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's so hard because that's something that's so prevalent in I guess our timeline growing up because yeah. I mean we were basically the age of Harry Potter as the books were releasing and that was such a big deal to grow up with it was um, and then you know looking back you realize that there's definitely issues with the series there's sure. definitely uh problematic issues and I think that's something that's important to address yeah when you I are mean it's okay it. for your favorites to be problematic as long as you acknowledge those and you're not like I, I think people are afraid that um you're gonna be brainwashed by you know I don't know that some of that um prejudice is going to seep into what you're reading or whatever mm -hmm. Uh, I think if you're aware, and I think also a, a big issue is like, um, as long as you're not stereotyping and that you, you do your research, dear authors, hire sensitivity readers so that, um, and, and do the work and, and that way you can make well-rounded, interesting characters without stereotyping. Yeah. And I think if you're going back and reading stuff that you know that has problematic things or, like, I plan on reading the Harry Potter series with Ari when she gets older. Yeah. That's something I want to share with her. But mm -hmm. I think it's important that when I do that, I go through and explain, hey, this character could have been different. This character could have been this, and they could have done better things. And uh, kind of help fix some of those errors, <laughs> you know, in my story times with her. And help her understand that even though this world and this book is something that you know, I as her mom really love, but I understand that there's issues and that we can do better going forward. We should say um, some of the things that she's said on Twitter, just for those who um, maybe aren't on Twitter or, you know, don't look into bookish news and don't really know what's going on with her. Um, she, JK Rowling basically went on Twitter and wrote an essay about how trans women are a threat to cis women and this is the hill that she's gonna die on and she basically turned herself into a victim mm -hmm. uh and i think people because of her being on twitter were breaking up with her long before this happened oh yeah there's been multiple multiple things that um people have pointed out as being problematic and being like why 
why have you done this? And everybody just kind of ignores it. Really does. Um, so, mm-hmm. like, the first thing that really gave me pause was um, Ilvermorny, the School of American Witchcraft and Wizardry. Um, she used icons from First Nations and Indigenous people for the houses without any positive rep for Native people, um, nor did she ever mm-hmm. comment on it or... Um, that was never, it didn't turn into a thing. You know what I mean? It was just like, these are, um, secondly, the cursed child was garbage. Did you read it? I read about, uh, well, it's not really in chapters. It's in acts because it's a whole play thing. I read maybe the first act, maybe the second act. I can't remember. And I was like, I can't do this. Like it literally turned all the characters into horrible parents that wouldn't like respect their kids and like, you know, help them. And it was like complete character shifts for everybody. And it was also like she was going back on some things that were like Mm -hmm. established rules in the world. She's done that on Twitter for years, being like, oh, "Oh, this character actually blah, 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 blah. Oh, I have so much to say about that, too. So, yeah, we can't trust her with her own work, in my opinion. And for the longest time, I wanted a Marauder series. I wanted it so bad. And that's something I do not want her to touch. (laughs) Like, I thought I could never get enough information about the Wizarding World. But, like, it turns out that's wrong. Yeah. I I Um, don't know. I feel like it's something that... If we ever get anything else, she's always going to have her hand in it, and it's always going to be messed up now. Like, you, you look at the, the um, what's it called? Crimes of Grindelwald and the Fantastic Beast series. Yeah. Like, what she did with that second movie? Like, are you kidding me? I know. I wonder if there's going to be more. Are there going to be more? I don't even know. There's supposed to be. Who knows know. if there's going to be any more? I think there's supposed what... to be, like, five. I know. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if that's going to happen. I really don't. Yeah, it it's is up messed up. And I'm like, you're adding in characters that, like, never existed in the storyline, and you're making them, like, related to people. And it was you just know, like... I, I'm cool with that. It's just, just do it re- well, and I'll be yeah. okay. <laughs> I don't know. weird. So, yeah, you mentioned her retconning um, or revising of characters mm-hmm. just through Twitter, just like... Dumbledore's gay was the first one that everyone was like, "What?" And it's just like, put it, put it in the story if you want Dumbledore to yeah. be gay. But I feel um, like it's, and it's also it's something that's like so lazy on her part because that's literally the easiest character to do that to. Mm. Because I, you don't get his background, like, you don't get any background, you don't have any relations that he's with at all. Right. He's not connected to anybody, so it's like, oh yeah. Yeah, that's, he's gay. That's it. It's like, you had no reference point in the book at all to have any hint of that. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I don't know. Um, another one was that she said Lupin's storyline um, of him not being with Tonks because he, he's a werewolf is an allegory for people with bloodborne illness, illnesses such as HIV and AIDS. And it's like, yeah, I mean, that's obvious. Fans figured that out a long time ago, but... You're saying that now, why didn't you take that which disproportionately affects gay people and insert him into a heteronormative storyline? Yeah. Uh, Another thing that she said, and this is the last one, and I'll give you. House elves used to magic away their excrement before the bathrooms were installed into Hogwarts. (laughs) 
Did you know that? No. That's one she gave to us. I, I don't know why we needed it that It just at all. falls flat. We don't need to know that stuff. Harry Potter is for us and our interpretation. And mm-hmm. we already love it so much. Like, you don't need to drop these bombs on us. Because it's yeah. just, we don't want it. And I think for me going forward, it's definitely where I can read and enjoy this series and point out to myself the issues that it has and not putting money towards the author. I mean, you can get these books at used bookstores all the time if you need access to them. They're already purchased at the library. The library is not going to have to repurchase them at any point because they're already there. So there's not any extra money going anywhere. And it's just... You can Meg, Megan, you have access to them without spending money on them and here, supporting here's her. My, here's my problem. I would love to go back. I've already been. <laughs> uh, to Universal Studios. I mean, they have a whole park there where you can just immerse yourself in that world. Yeah. And man, is it. I mean, you've been there, actually. I forgot. Yeah, I've been there a few times. There. And all the... I dropped so much money on Harry Potter. It's not even funny. Uh, and same. the and the um, the illustrated the book illustrated versions. I want that. I want those. That will probably be the one thing that I. <laughs> All right. It's like I I want to get that whole set because I've already uh-huh. bought four of them. I've already got the uh, illustrated. History of Magic, like, I've gotten all the illustrated stuff that mm-hmm. there is. I have seen the newer ones floating around, like McKay's and used bookstores, so I might wait a while and see if I just happen to see one there when it okay. comes out. I don't and think And try so. to get it like that. Um, but it's one of those things that I don't have to get it straight away. I don't have to get it as soon as it comes right. out. I can wait a little bit and see if I can find it at other places. Mm-hmm. And then, eBay. you know, if it's two, three years down the line and I actually want to get them to read them, then I can. Also, if you don't buy it right away, it doesn't count towards like their bestseller and so yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so our friend Emily Hines, who is in our book club with mm-hmm. us, she made a post um, in regards to this specifically. And I thought it was really beautiful. And I, I wanted to share it with you. I don't know if you saw. And I don't think I saw. I, I'm reading this with her permission. It was on a closed uh, book club group on Facebook. She said, I've had this issue with several beloved authors and other artists over the years. Personally, and especially in the case of a fandom as active and diverse as HP, Harry Potter, I'm willing to separate the artists from their work. The only experience of a piece of art we'll ever really have is our own. And we probably shape that experience internally more than the author, actor, musician, etc. ever will. As interpreters and sometimes retellers, I believe we are active participants in shaping a story which is kind of freeing because it means no one can ruin something for us. The stories we're telling simply diverge. I think that Harry Potter fandom has been in the process of diverging from JK's vision of the wizarding world for a while now, and I think we can carry on without her and continue to find value in the stories we've embraced and made our own and the community we've built around them. I think that's absolutely correct. And I think you could apply that to any fandom. Any fandom, you can make it your own and separate from who started it because at the end of the day, it's your own. 
experience with it. Totes. I like it. Me too. I want to hear your story time. Is it story time now? It's story time. Story time. Time for story time. So before I get started, this does have a little bit of a dark turn. And by Ooh. a little bit, I mean it's very dark. So if you don't want to know about that, uh, you can skip to the end and that's fine. And we'll What kind see of dark next... turn? I guess it depends. Um, murder. Murder. <laughs> so okay. if you don't want to know about that, then you can skip and see us in the next episode. But I'm going to be calling this The Deadly Game, The Mark Delilah Owen Story. Oh. And um, Deadly Game is actually uh, the name of something else uh, on down, so I'll let you know about that. So, Delilah Owens is the author of Where the Crawdad Sings, who has captivated book clubs and critics this past year since it was published in August 2018, which I did not realize it was published that long ago. I felt mm -hmm. like it was in 2019, but it was in 2018. Reese Witherspoon selected for her book club. I think Oprah picked it out for theirs. It has over a 4.5 star rating on Goodreads with mm -hmm. like a million copies sold and like hundreds of thousands of reviews and all that. So it was a big deal. And it was a great book. I loved the book. Absolutely loved it. But there's a little bit of a dark history to what maybe this book can be connected to. And so for... Real life inspiration, Dada Owens and her husband, who her then husband, it seems like they have split since then, worked on conservation work in Zambia and Botswana. And they did a lot of um, different work where they worked on uh, against poaching and that kind of thing. Okay, good so far. And Where the Crawdads Sing actually isn't her first book. She actually written some nonfiction books. Um, with her ex-husband and different memoirs of different um, nature settings and nonfiction information. So it kind of really connects the Marsh Girl and her connection to nature really helps stem from where that's from. So you kind of see that connection. So in 1995, an ABC camera crew came to Zambia to film a like segment of the Owens for conservation efforts uh, for the Turning Point special, which I guess is some sort of documentary special of the time. And it was titled The Deadly Game, The Mark and Delilah Owens Story, mm. hence the title of the story time. I uh, personally have not seen... The episode, apparently, you can still watch it online. But the goal of the film was to document the rising tensions between the Owenses and local poachers that was trying to uh, grab some of the local fauna, which obviously oh. is a, a very tense topic and uh, still is a, a, quite a bit of a problem in certain areas. There were some clips that many found too disturbing um, to be watched, and one such clip was Mark Owens ordering scouts to shoot at, shoot at them first, adding, when you see the whites of his eyes. So mm. basically saying, if you can see them, you should shoot them policy. And he since went back on that and said that that was a Zambian government thing and not necessarily his thing, but people were still weirded out and begins to make you question their ethical practices of what they were doing there. Wow. 
So the questions of the episode soon turned dark as a horrible scene of the death of alleged poacher was identified as a trespasser and was shot several times on camera by an anonymous scout. The journalists who reported on the Owens' African work explained that the piece to the ABC crew were allowed to accompany patrols in Zambia after we agreed not to identify those involved should a shooting ever occur. So they weren't ever allowed to say who did it um, because they signed agreements that they could not. Wow. But, the, yeah, the, the guy is apparently killed on camera and everything. So, it's like I said, it's a very heavy topic. Mm-hmm. The Owens were wanted for questioning and connection with the Zambian government and something that seems strange if they had no involvement. So they said that they were not at the incidents and not involved with the shooting at all. And so it kind of seems weird that the government would want them questioned if they had no connection to it. Right. Almost a year after the incident was filmed and after the episode aired, the Zambian government actually began a homicide investigation. And at the same time, the Owensons left the country to the U.S. and have not returned to Zambia since. So it seems weird that a family who's been doing this for 10 years in different countries and work on this suddenly leaves and never goes back. Mm. Like something about that seems a little suspicious. When did they leave? It says after the episode aired was the information that I could okay. see. Okay, when was it? When was it aired? I'm curious. 1996. Oh, okay. It was a long so time. So that yeah, it, it uh, happened in 1995, and then a year later in '96 was when it aired on the television. So as of 2010, the Zambian government is still investigating the case with no charges being filed against the witnesses. There has been some witnesses speaking on record about the events of that day, however. So Chris Everson, the cameraman who filmed the encounter, alleges that it was Christopher Owens, who is Mark Owens' son, and Delilah Owens' stepson, who fired the first and final shots. Good grief. So they are saying that he is directly responsible for what happened. But there's not been any charges, and nobody's been taken back to Zambia to be questioned. Um, another reporter says that um, she remembers seeing Christopher Owen in the camp after the incidents, but that the Owens denied that he was ever there at the time. So there's some like fishy connections to this. Furthermore, Delilah Owens told the New Yorker that her stepson was not in Zambia at the time of the shooting and suggested that people say Chris did this because they got confused because the cameraman's name was Chris also. <laughs> I feel like that's a really like, oh, you know, he wasn't here, but they're both named Chris. Maybe he just got confused. He's another Chris. And not even that, but it's like the cameraman. So how would the cameraman be confused for the shooter? I don't know. A shooter. Yeah. I don't really understand that. And with some topics of uh, the what's in the book without going into spoilers, people are like, okay, did you draw on this experience to write your book or is there just happened to be this coincidence? But as of now in 2018, Delilah, Mark and Christopher Owens have neither been charged or exonerated in the Zambian incident. And all three are still wanted and for questioning related to the incidents, but have never gone back. Wow. So I thought it was pretty interesting that this super uber popular book connected to a murder and a possible uh, 
on-screen murder of this documentary. Murder. Yeah, murder. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, I don't think, unless this gets updated, we'll never really know for sure what happened, but it definitely mm-hmm. has some weird mm, coincidences of, like, you know, after 10 years of doing this work, you suddenly leave. That's kind of strange. Right. It is, yeah. But... Weird story. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, and I think if you uh, read the Where the Crawdad Sings, I think there's some either even more interesting connections to it. But I don't want to go into that because it's spoilery. I want to know. But let's just say the end of Where the Crawdad Sings, like, maybe, you know, is a confession to something. But I don't know for sure. Fascinating. Thanks. I was hoping it would be good. I never would have thought. How did you learn about this? I was looking up, like, something to do with, like, uh, the characters within the book because I was typing out a review for it. And Mm -hmm. it was like, is the author connected to a real-life murderer? Is this where she drew her information? I was like, what? I need to know this. (laughs) So I got sidetracked and typed out my story time. That's great. It's it's definitely a handful of information, and who knows uh, what is uh the truth well i think that concludes our episode of a thousand lives podcast i have had such a great time me too i hope this puts you in a good mood it has put me in a good mood thank you and maybe next week i can update you on my reading slump and hopefully i'll be out of it and can be having a lovely time reading a bunch of different books we'll see i hope so too and if not That's all right. It will happen and that will be okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, that's it for us. I'm Megan. I'm Jessica. And we're reading 10 to the third power lives. (laughs) We will see you next time. Bye.